Welcome to the ProWrestling.net All Access Podcast. I'm Jason Powell here with the Q&A audio session. This is uh, normally member-exclusive material on the uh, ProWrestling.net member site, but it is free audio week at ProWrestling.net. Uh, if you haven't checked out all of the other audio we put up this week, I definitely recommend it. This is the first time we've done this, and I don't have any uh, plans of doing a free audio week again anytime soon. Maybe it'll become a holiday tradition. We'll, we'll wait and see, but... Uh, uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying it, those of you who are on, listening on the non-member side of things. And if you do enjoy it and you want more, we do this each and every week. All this audio you're hearing this week, it's not like we're uh, doing new audio content specifically for this. Uh, this is uh, uh, the, the type of audio that the members receive weekly on a weekly basis, all year round, and you can sign up for .NET membership very easily. If you're listening on iTunes, just head on over to ProWrestling.net. On the right side of your screen, you're going to see the sign-up page, and uh, you can sign up and receive almost instant access to the .NET member site, which is an ad-free version of ProWrestling.net. Get the first look at news. Hear all of the audio content. We didn't have any uh, free interviews this week, but there are interviews on that site, including uh, former TNA creative team member Dutch Mantel, who was once again back with the company. He gave his first interview when he uh, was out of TNA to us and uh, actually stopped back a second time. Former WWE creative team member Court Bauer stopped by a couple of times. Seth Mates, another former creative team member, has joined me for WrestleMania audio reviews a couple of times. And then recent interviews include Just Incredible, a two-hour interview that I conducted with Chain Hurricane Helms, uh, a two-hour interview that I conducted with Sean Devari. Most recently, Chris Shore sat down with uh, Bobby Lashley for 30 minutes and discussed his MMA career and uh, and many more. So, if uh, like I say, if you're into all the audio you're hearing this week, the .NET Weekly Audio Show, the .NET Countdown Show, my Q&A, Chris Shore's new show that he's kind of spun out of the uh, – he used to do a Q&A session, and he's still incorporating some of that in there – but uh, he's uh, tinkering with the format a little bit, plus reviews of all the television shows. And, yes, we also review the pay-per-views. This week uh, I had my uh, normally member-exclusive audio review of Raw Up. Will Pruitt, I know his is, uh, by the time you hear this, his audio review of TNA Impact will be up. And uh, closing out the uh, audio week will be Chris Shore and Jake Barnett getting together to review WWE SmackDown on Saturday morning. So plenty of audio coming your way. And of course, uh, you heard the opening theme and, uh, we, we rotate that on Q&A Friday. Usually it's something ridiculous, but, uh, the options are very limited for New Year's songs. There's like the old classic New Year's Day theme that, uh, you'll hear a million times. And then if you listen to any kind of classic rock radio, you're going to hear what we play, U2's New Year's Day, uh, about a million times here over the next uh, 48 hours or so. Um, well, not even quite. New Year's is approaching. Today, of course, is uh, UFC 141. We will have live coverage of that pay-per-view tonight. Ryan Kester will be providing the live coverage of that show. Brock Lesnar facing Alistair Overeem in the main event uh, should be interesting, to say the least. I, I've been talking to different people, and uh, most people pointing to Overeem, just saying that uh, if he can connect with Brock, uh, it, it could be all over quickly. I lean toward Brock, but I, as I've said, it's an uneducated pick because I just didn't watch a ton of strike force, so I haven't seen too much of Alistair Overeem, but uh, I'm just anxious to see that fight. Looking forward to it, going over to a good friend of mine's uh, uh, pay-per-view gathering to watch that show tonight. Hater Day was always over for the paper, WWE pay-per-views, and uh, Pooch as well, John LaPooch, who writes the uh, uh, John material articles regarding the WWE pay-per-view events will be there, so it should be a good time, but uh, I'll be following along with Ryan's Kester 
uh, or with Ryan Kester's uh, UFC coverage as well on my uh, iPhone app. And uh, speaking of those apps, you can download them for free, uh, either on iPhone or Android, and the one I always forget. We have one available on Kindle Fire at the Amazon App Store. All of them are free, so uh, definitely check those out. We get uh, good feedback on the apps all the time. So, uh, again, totally free iPhone, Amazon for for Kindle Fire, as well as the Android. Uh, No, there is not a BlackBerry. You get that question once in a while. But uh, the other, uh, the ones I mentioned are available totally for free. So please check those out, download those, and let us know what you think. If you dig the app, uh, it's always good to hear feedback. And, heck, even if you don't like it and you've got some suggestions, I'm more than uh, willing to check those out, too. All right, now it is Q&A time. And for uh, the, the non-members who don't hear this on a weekly basis, what we do is I uh, open up a thread in the uh, ProWrestling.net members forum and allow members to submit their questions for this audio show. Email is also an option for the members who, uh, for whatever reason, choose not to go into the forum. But uh, we go through, you know, I don't know, half hour or so of questions, sometimes longer, and then begins the non-wrestling insanity where I will answer questions about uh, whatever, hell, whatever the hell they feel like asking me about. And it's uh, it, it's a fun show. We keep it laid back. It's uh, not too serious. So if uh, you're looking for uh, all-out, uh, serious, straight-faced wrestling, this probably isn't the audio show for you. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, Dave from Sydney is going to start things off. Yes, it's Sydney, Australia. Believe it or not, uh, it's not just Americans who are dumb enough to listen to me on a weekly basis. Um, but Dave wants to know, how could anyone have enjoyed that Kane promo from Raw? Um, I mean, I didn't care for it. I liked what he had to say. I didn't like the delivery. I didn't like that Kane was talking, period. Uh, I understand that there's a story they're trying to tell with uh, Kane basically being the uh, the emperor from Star Wars and, and uh, trying to turn John Cena to the dark side, essentially. I think that's the gist of it. But I, I just I still feel like you could have had uh, Jim Mitchell's the ideal choice, obviously Paul Bear or somebody, but just someone else deliver the what you know? Say what Kane was saying for him, because I, I just think that uh, one of the better parts of, of Kane with the mask is that he doesn't have to talk, you know. And and uh, I, I, that delivery that he used was strange. Maybe it's just been a long time since I've listened to a Kane promo, but it seemed like he was trying something new. And I, I don't think the live crowd didn't seem all that into it either. So I, I can see, you know, I can't say that I'm like you, or I can't understand how anyone could have possibly enjoyed it, but it wasn't for me either, Dave. Dave also wants to know, he says, uh, it, it looks like we're building to, towards CM Punk versus Johnny Ace. Are you looking forward to the match? Yeah, I, I think they are building building to it for the Royal Rumble. I, you know, I, this isn't anything I've heard. It's just watching the way they tease that match on Monday uh, during Raw and didn't deliver kind of makes you, uh, kind of made me feel like they're planting the seeds for that. Uh, the Rumble is the perfect place to do it because the Rumble match sells the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. You don't need to rely on a WWE Championship match, so you can do something a little uh, out of the ordinary there. Um, you know, I mean, hey, it wouldn't shock me if something happens on Monday to set up Punk versus Ziggler in a rematch at the Rumble either. But I do think if they ever had any intention of going Punk versus Ace, this is the place to do it. It's not Austin versus McMahon where it can sell a pay-per-view. You know, Johnny Ace, is, I've, you know, I've, I've come around on him to the point that I think he's okay in small doses. But, you know, he doesn't have that Vince McMahon charisma. They haven't done a good job yet of really making – I think people would like to see him, uh, you know, get roughed up physically, which is the idea, obviously, but not to the point that I think people are going to go pay 
you know, $45 or $55 if you want to watch it in HD on some systems to see it. But if it's kind of icing on the cake for the rumble, I think there's a way to do it. So um, I can't say, you know, I'm not sitting here going, man, I can't wait for the Royal Rumble. I, I, let's just skip that match and get right to the uh, uh, Punk versus Ace or anything like that. But I understand. And, I, you know, I'm also hoping that this is kind of the end of the road. Uh, you know, whenever they do that match, whether it's, you know, they Ace cheats to win somehow, doesn't get the title, whatever. Um, I don't think that'll happen, I, you know, but if it does, if it's like they think they can get more than one match out of it, as long as it's like building to the end of John Laurinaitis' reign, um, I'm, I'm cool with it. It's, you know, it's gone better than I thought it would. He's, like I said, fun in small doses at times. There, there's some dry comedy there that I can appreciate. It's just, you know, I, I don't know. The, the idea of a, another heel general manager type uh, in, in this day and age is just enough. I'm ready to move on. Uh, third, what's with all the screaming in every TNA knockout promo? Um, I don't know. That, that's what women do. Uh, that's what my girlfriend does. I, I come home and she, or, you know, she comes home from work and just screams endlessly. All right, that's not true. And even if it was, I wouldn't tell you because this is all access, and I really doubt she's listening, but there's a chance. A very small chance, but you never know, so I'm not taking that risk. Um, yeah, I, I can't say, you know, Mickey James wasn't screaming last night when they did that uh, video interview with her, but I think with Karen Jarrett, they, they like to have her scream. Madison Rain, they like to have her scream. And, uh, you know, I mean, those are the two, well, until recently with Karen anyway, uh, you know, and, and Madison kind of slid into that role for a week or two. I think, uh, you know, that's just how they're scripting them. Uh, yeah, I could I could do without some of the screaming, too. But uh, I, I definitely get a kick out of the Madison Ring character, and, and Karen Jarrett, for that matter, when she's around. Uh, so, yeah, I, I wish they'd kind of ease up and give my ears a, a, a bit of a rest. But, uh, hey, it's not that Melina just all-out primal scream thing that she was doing, that, that high-pitched uh, – I think I still have ear damage from that. Hearing loss as a result of Molina. But uh, the fourth question from day, fourth and final question, because what I do is I put out, put it out there uh, for, for non-members, if you're wondering. Four pro wrestling questions allowed. And uh, anyone who goes over that limit is deemed a cheater. And I call them names, so they, they go over it once in a while. But uh, four pro wrestling questions with additional non-wrestling. So that's why you'll see most of these are uh, cut off at four. But Dave's fourth question what are your predictions for the top three big stories coming out of WWE and TNA in 2012? It could be things like the rise of a new star, another Victory Road-style debacle, an event that turns around business for the better, uh, a surprise signing and release, or even a major star failing a wellness test. Okay, you're, you're asking for three big stories for two different promotions. That, to me, sir, strikes me as cheating. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously going to answer the question anyway because that's what I do. But that's like you're looking for six answers in one. You sure are a cheater, Dave, from Sydney, Australia. Just because you're over in Sydney doesn't mean you are. it's safe for me calling you a cheater. All right. But to answer your question, I, I would say the three big stories seem, you know, I mean, hey, I'm not going to sit here and guess. So-and-so is going to fail a wellness test, I, you know. Um, but I think three of the bigger stories that we can reasonably predict without, uh, you know, just really reaching and guessing and everything, WWE Network, a huge, huge story to follow in 2012. Uh, a lot of people in that company right now are uh, at that point even where there's starting to be some rumblings that there's no way this is going to get done in time for April 1st. I was talking to somebody today who just, 
uh, it keeps up on the, on that uh, on the network talk, and they're just like, you know, how? And Vince still, you know, he he's that's been Vince McMahon's deal. Is he he's made it very clear he wants it out there on April first, but it's easy to you know bark out that order. And, you know, hope that everybody is going to be able to do the work to, to make that come to fruition. I, I don't know. I mean, WWE has been careful. Yes, it's been out there in like the sports uh, business daily, I believe. April 1st is their target date. And we actually broke the story that they were targeting around, you know, sometime around WrestleMania for the launch, uh, even before that story came out. But, um, I, I just don't know. I mean, there's so much work to be done, not just on the production side even, but, they have to hire someone to run that division, run that network. That hasn't happened yet. They have to hire roughly 200 employees. Some will transfer over from existing positions in WWE. But then you also have to sit down and strike deals with Comcast and DirecTV and Dish Network, and the list goes on and on. Uh, I mean, it's possible that some, you know, some of those deals are in place in time for WrestleMania, but realistically, I just, you know, this, I I just think this is going to get pushed back, and there's a reason that WWE, despite, you know, I believe putting it out there in that Sports Business uh, Journal story, I think that Sports Business Daily, Sports Business Journal, one of the two, um, you know, they put it out there in that, but essentially is my guess. But if you watch the network videos, it just says coming in 2012. They have yet to commit officially on, on their website, on television, or elsewhere, as, you know, April 1st being the launch date. Kind of hard to advertise a launch date when you don't have a single deal in place, to the best of my knowledge, uh, with a cable or satellite carrier. I, I think another big story, you know, and, you know, with the network, whether it launches on time or not, I, I just think it's going to be a huge, huge story. Uh, probably the biggest story in 2012 of, of things that you can, you know, accurately forecast WrestleMania, though, huge also. The Rock and John Cena. Uh, what's the build like? WWE really dropped the ball with the Survivor Series with the build for The Rock, and I think it shows in those disappointing preliminary pay-per-view numbers. Sure, it, it topped the last two Survivor Series, but you had The Rock. Uh, you know, you, you had to assume it was going to, but I, I think WWE officials had to have had higher hopes than what the number came in at, that preliminary estimate. And... Hopefully it was a wake-up call. You know, you can't just, hey, The Rock's here, buy our pay-per-view, we're not going to give you any other incentive. Uh, you have to do more than that. And, you know, they, that's essentially what they did with Survivor Series. Okay, they're, him and Cena are teaming, you know, for the first time ever and last time, whatever the hell the slogan was. Um, and look at their opponents. You know, I mean, it was just the Miz and R-Truth were not built up in a way that would make people see them as real threats to Rock and Cena. And, it was all about just come back to see The Rock, you know, order this show to see The Rock and, and watch him wrestle. And, and it wasn't enough. And so hopefully that was a wake-up call. But I think, you know, beginning Monday, really, with the uh, January 2nd, uh, the, you know, the beginning of the year, I, I feel like it really kicks off WrestleMania season. Some will say, you know, Survivor Series, I, that to me is dated. It used to kind of start putting the wheels and, you know, the wheels in motion for Mania. And maybe to some extent it did this year with Rock and Cena, but I really feel like WrestleMania season begins with, uh, you know, the new year. Uh, even if they're not going to come out and start hyping things for Mania on Monday, you're, you know, obviously it's going to build toward the Royal Rumble, which in and of itself is a huge vehicle to promote WrestleMania. So, you know, I, I do believe that uh, Rock versus Cena is 
you know, the biggest WrestleMania main event we've seen in many years and uh, has the potential to be uh, a huge buy rate for the company, but they have to do the work. They have to put the work in and do things right in order for that to happen. So another huge story. I would say a John Cena heel turn if they decide to pull the trigger on that. You know, it, it, this, this stuff we've seen with Roddy Piper planting the seed and now Kane following up that the booze are starting to get to Cena and he should embrace it and Kane, you know, when, in, as far as uh, Kane is concerned, is it going to lead to a heel turn or at the end of this, is it going to be, you know, Cena avoided the temptation and he's, he's still the same guy he was? I think either, either one is a big story. Um, obviously the heel turn would be more significant, but for me, I think every passing month even, that WWE goes with John Cena just basically playing the same old character. They run the risk that when they finally do get around to turning him heel, it won't pack as much of a punch because, you know, it's just at some point I think people are going to stop caring. Uh, it, it could work the other way, too. You can't rule it out that. You know, hey, Hulk Hogan went all those years, and, and it wasn't all, you know, Hulkamania wasn't running wild through his final years in WWE, and they and, and even in WCW, the crowds were starting to kind of groan a bit, I think, at Hulk Hogan, but then he turned heel, and, you know, that really got things going again uh, for Hogan and obviously for WCW with the NWO at the time, and so, you know, maybe that patience would pay off for WWE, but I do think they run the risk that, uh, so by the time they pull the trigger, people are kind of uh, not as uh, into it and as excited as they would be. So I think that whether it happens or not, it's a story. But again, obviously, if he turns, it's a huge story. Um, another, you know, you only ask for three, but I'll say WWE beefing up developmental. It's something that Triple H has been working on. I'm surprised it's taken as long as it has. I really thought we would have seen uh, some movement in that area, but I'm told that they're, you know, it's still uh, heading in that direction. There's been talk of structuring it similarly to what uh, minor league baseball does with, you know, triple A, double A, and single A. And I, my belief was would be that you would see like a triple A, maybe triple A is Tampa or, you know, where they are now with uh, Florida Championship Wrestling. But rather than having everyone under one roof, open different developmental territories. And so let's say um, oh, Portland, Oregon is, is single A and uh, Dallas, Texas is uh, – Double A, something only, you know, I'm just making up cities as I go along, wherever they wanted to put them. And I think, you know, WWE needs to do that. They, it's, they're finding some success now with some of the developmental, uh, talents that they've, that they've called up over the years and whatnot. But I just think it's such a crucial thing for pro wrestling, uh, to develop future stars. I'm all for TNA striking that deal with Ohio Valley Wrestling, and hopefully that will pay off for them down the road as well. But I think for WWE, this is long overdue. It just doesn't make sense to have that many guys under one roof learning the same things over and over. And, you know, and some of these guys that have been in developmental for how, you know, years and like, what else are they going to learn? Where at least if you have that structure, different locations, you learn to work in front of different crowds too, not just the same burned out Florida crowd that, you know, in a lot of cases, it's, you know, they see these guys all the time. Um, you know, and, and you learn from different people too, not just the fans, obviously, but different trainers. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's become almost this, uh, Stepford wrestler, you know, assembly line is what it feels like. It, it, they've gotten away from it a little bit, but there was a time where if you went and looked at that Florida championship wrestling roster page, it's like everybody kind of looked like Randy Orton. Uh, and, you know, I mean, 
hey, Randy Orton's been you know a, a success for WWE and all, but you need a little bit of di- diversity there, and 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 you know, and, and also they all kind of work the same. They all kind of had the same entrance thing going on, and, and just I, I think WWE needs to shake that up, and so hopefully that will happen. And you know, I'll even give you a fifth. I think Linda McMahon running for the U.S. Senate again in 2012. How does that affect? WWE programming, do they go, you know, really, really PG like they did last time, or do they kind of stick with what they're doing now where, you know, they, they walk that line and, and sometimes even cross it where it's not necessarily, you know, I, I, what I wouldn't consider PG programming. I'm fine if they cross it. I, you know, as someone that, someone that watched the Attitude Era and really enjoyed it, I, I don't think you bill yourself as PG and just go back to Attitude Era style, and I don't think they would do that. But I think what they're doing right now um, you know, if a guy says ass on the air, big deal. You know, I mean, so I think you can push it. I don't think they need to go as tame as they did the last time Linda ran. But, you know, we'll have to see what they do and how that affects business, um, you know, or how it affects the television product, how it affects Vince McMahon. You know, does it, uh, you know, he's already distracted with the network and, and he's going to be another year older. And, you know, does that, is that another distraction for Vince, or is it just something that he, you know, he's not on the campaign trail with her, so he just can, you know, it's business as usual for him, essentially. So those are five things, I think, that I'm going to be keeping an eye on in 2012, and uh, hopefully some, you know, young developmental talent like uh, Seth Rollins and, and Dean Ambrose are, are guys that I think have real potential to step in once WWE finally gets around to calling them up. Um, TNA-wise, I would say... The, the one thing I want to see from TNA in 2012, at the top of my list would be James Storm becoming the true top guy in that company. Not, yeah, he's, he's you know, he's the TNA champion, but they, they still, you know, think Hulk Hogan is a bigger star. They still think Jeff Hardy's a bigger star. Uh, you know, I, I really think James Storm is on to something. I think TNA has a, a potential, you know, a potential breakout star there. He, you know, he's a star to some extent in the TNA world. I want to see him become a star outside of just the TNA universe. And that's not, you know, it's not just all on James Storm. The company has to grow. They have to put him in positions, obviously, to to really shine. And but but I think they have the right guy there. So I, I'm, I'm just I want to see how they handle James Storm in the year ahead. And uh, that, just because TNA, they've tried with AJ Styles. Yeah, he's a star within TNA, but he, you know, to me it was limited. And this guy, I think, has potential to be more than that. Um, will the company be propped up by their uh, their offshoot promotions? You know, the TNA India project isn't getting a lot of buzz with American fans, for instance, but I, I think it, it could be very lucrative to that company. To you know, they're they're working with Endemol, which is a, a a very big television production company. Um, India, obviously, and, and somewhat of an untapped market, basically. And I, I think TNA really could uh, make some really good coin off this deal. And if things don't, you know, if things kind of hold steady where they are with the with the current product in the United States, with the actual TNA Impact Wrestling product. You know, even if you know they, they don't show any signs of progress there, you know, a deal with you know this India deal could bring in money to make TNA itself just you know more viable. Uh, for that matter, same with All Wheels Wrestling. The deal, you know, they they shot the pilot for the uh, Speed Network, and that's another programming deal. It might, it might not be something that you know gets um, 
you know, the India Project, it's hard for American fans, uh, North American fans, that is, to be fired up about something they may never see. You know, some people will get Colors Network on international packages. I'm guessing some of the footage will pop up on YouTube as well. But if it's something that you can't turn on your television and watch every week, it's hard to get people excited, even if there's a lot of notable names there. But that money coming in, I think, could really be beneficial for TNA. Uh, you know, hopefully it's not a case where they need it to prop up the company. Uh, but I, I still, one thing I, I'm going to, you know, I say this every year, I think, Spike TV and their stability. The, the network isn't doing uh, great numbers. Um, disappointing. And at some point, you have to wonder, does Viacom really shake things up? And I think this year it becomes more of an issue simply because you, you, you the loss of UFC to that network. And, yeah, I think they can still air some UFC reruns, and obviously they have a deal in place with or they've actually bought into uh, Bellator Fighting Championship, but they can't air anything from Bellator for a full year, I believe. And, you know, uh, people have said that TNA and UFC advertising was was tied in. Like, TNA benefited, essentially, because Spike was a, you know, oh, you want UFC? Well, you know, we'll, you know, we'll throw in TNA, and, and you can, you know, as part of a package deal. If You know, does, does TNA suffer in Spike's mind because it, it's a tough advert, you know, it's tough to sell the advertisers where it used to just be part of the UFC package in some cases. Um, you know, I, so I, what happens to Spike if the numbers continue to, to struggle there? Does Viacom, the parent company, say enough is enough and uh, just rebrand the whole thing? I'm not saying they pull the plug, but instead of being the network for men, do they completely overhaul things and, and turn it into something completely different? Uh, you know, and even if they turn it into something different, maybe TNA still fits with whatever that vision would be, you know, but I, I always think the, uh, you know, the viability of, of Spike TV is a story to watch closely. So those are just a few things with TNA uh, that, that popped into my mind, and I'm probably forgetting some. But uh, on to Chris from Sacramento, where he says, the uh, the Kings left and are finally winning games down in L.A. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, sorry, I think. Not sure. Uh, but Chris's first question, he says, does it seem like even though Wade Barrett is getting some upper hand in the feud that ultimately this isn't doing much for him, or do I have too high of an expectation? No, we're on the same page, Chris. You know, it, it's like Randy Orton's trying to, to elevate talent, Wade Barrett being among those people. He, Randy Orton's done some, you know, he's done business. He's been putting people over, and Wade Barrett is a guy that, you know, even though Orton won the table match at TLC, Barrett came back and I think got a win over him, and um, they're trying, and obviously the, the angle that's going to air on SmackDown tonight is uh, designed to set up the explanation for and, uh, Randy Orton being out of action due to his back injury, and, and also to, to help give Wade Barrett a boost because he'll be responsible storyline-wise for that injury. I need to see that play out. Maybe it'll, you know, something will click. But it just seems like even though Barrett's getting some wins over Orton and he's getting a lot of TV time, it, it, something's missing. Something's not connecting. And, uh, you know, I've, I've said repeatedly, you have to take time with this because they did so much damage to Barrett after the Nexus ran its course prematurely, in my opinion, because WWE dropped the ball with it. And, and then they just buried him, basically. It was stunning to me. So it's going to take some time. I mean, this beats being a, you know, almost an undercard wrestler with no direction where he was before. 
but you know, I, I don't know what it's going to take for Wade Barrett, but I, you know, I'll be surprised if this angle on SmackDown is it, and just this overall feud with Randy Orton. It, it's I, I appreciate the idea of it, but I, I just I don't know that it's been enough either. So we're on the same page there. The second question from Chris is, uh, he says, looking back at the AWA tag team history for an article he's writing, he noticed that the Road Warriors only won the belts once and were then uh, defeated by Jimmy Garvin and the other Steve Regal. Mr. Electricity to you, sir. Um, Were they so dominant in their over-a-year reign that they instantly went to the NWA after the loss? Were they so dominant in... Well, I mean, they they left the company for uh, I believe it was uh, you know WCW at the time, and and maybe there was some Japanese stuff in between. I don't I don't recall specifically, but um, there, I mean, the reason they were so dominant partially was because they didn't want to put anyone over. Uh, for instance, they I, I, I Animal wrote about it in his book. The, the Ganyas wanted them to drop the titles to the Fabulous Ones during their feud. And the Road Warriors basically changed the finish in the ring. They didn't want to do it. And, uh, I mean, the, the dominant tag team thing certainly worked. Uh, it was great, ter- you know, for territory because uh, if they got overexposed, well, they could go to WCW um, for, you know, a year and come back theoretically. But, um, you know, I think that's part of the reason that the act didn't work so well in WWE is they weren't willing to just let – the Road Warriors destroy every tag team in their division. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, but they, I'm trying to think of other teams they worked with. It's not like there were, uh, you know, the fabulous one Road Warrior feud should have been more than it was, but it wasn't like there were a ton of uh, great tag teams for the Warriors to to, uh, to work with. And had there been, they probably just would have plowed through them the way they did anyway. Uh, I, you know, the Warriors were very successful in uh, the AWA, uh, you know, the Midwest primarily where, where the territory ran off. They had some stuff in Vegas and San Francisco as well. But um, it, it they were an attraction. They didn't really build up other teams. You know, I think uh, didn't the Baron and the Crusher have a, a run, or maybe that's who the Warriors took the titles from. I, I just have some faint memory of that as well. Jimmy Garvin and Steve Regal, you know, if, if for those who didn't see the title change, this actually made, like, the, the news. It wasn't uncommon back then for the sports, uh, the local news, the, the sports to show highlights from the St. Paul Civic Center in, in my area, being you know, growing up in Minnesota. And that was a big deal. I mean, it wasn't like they let off the news or anything, but you did get highlights. I remember, you know, this was pre-remote controls, or at least in my house, pre-remote Flip, you know, going up to the TV and flipping channels, you know, from Channel 11 to Channel 5 to Channel 4, trying to catch whatever highlights I could from those Civic Center shows. And they did it for the early WWF shows in this area, too. Um, but that one was, uh, like, I, I remember the sportscasters normally always being so tongue-in-cheek about it. And in that case, at least one of them was, uh, like, shocked that the Road Warriors actually lost. And it was with help from the Freebirds. Uh, so they, uh, Terry, I think, I think the finish, I don't remember who pinned Animal, if it was Garvin or Regal, but Animal, I believe, had one of them up for getting ready for like a power slam. And I think it was, it was either Gordy or Hayes who jumped off the top rope with like a, uh, and just basically crashed into the back of one of the heels and knocked him onto Animal behind the ref's back, and that was the finish. So that's how the Road Warriors dropped the title. They did return to the AWA, and uh, for, for Wrestle Rock at least, and had a match with the Freebirds at the Metrodome. 
Um, it was a big AWA event that, that took place, and I'm trying to think. I, my memory's pretty uh, awful. Uh, the, the members are more than aware of my awful memory, but uh, for stuff like this, I, I usually have a better memory, but I, I can't remember how much they did outside of that Wrestle Rock appearance for the AWA. That might have been about it, at least in these parts, in, in my area, in, in, in the, uh, the Twin Cities area. Uh, third question from Chris. Back in 2003 and 2004, SmackDown was getting some very good ratings with Paul Heyman as a writer. Back then, some also thought it was gaining more traction than Raw, as it seems to be now. With Raw's being super shows, do you think this has helped SmackDown more than it helped Raw? Um, I, I do think it's helped SmackDown. You know, I, I've said before, my concern was that the, the way they did it initially, it was like they were showing you the, the top guys on SmackDown but weren't giving you any real incentive to follow them on to SmackDown on Friday. So my issue is that, geez, are you giving people just enough of a taste of Randy Orton, you know, whoever the top stars are on the brand on Mondays, so they have no incentive to, to watch on Friday now? And, and the opposite has happened, fortunately, for WWE. They, they managed to get some people intru- you know, interested in those uh, SmackDown talents that appear on Raw, and, you know, whether it's Big Show, Mark Henry, Orton, etc., and Sheamus, and they they follow him to Friday. So I think it has been beneficial to SmackDown, probably more so than Raw. I mean, it's I don't know how much Raw has really gained from this, other than you know the, the the creatively they have more guys to work with. You're not you don't have to overexpose some of the Raw guys. I, you know, I'm sure there's some guys uh, on the undercard who feel like it's a negative because they're not getting. You know, maybe they would get more television time if if they didn't have that option. But, yeah, I mean, I would say it's been more beneficial to SmackDown just uh, because of the ratings increase that we've seen since that happened. Uh, four, semi-obligatory live cast question. So, when is Sting jumping to WWE? Uh, Monday, of course. I mean, he'll be the uh, the mystery man revealed. I believe Sting is actually the little girl in the uh, the videos uh, that uh, push it, you know, he's like tormenting the poor child. She shoved his notebook on the ground. That's awful. You don't shove a man's notebook on the ground. Where's the teacher in that class? Kind of a weird school is that? They just sit there, the, the two of them. Are they like, uh, were they naughty and, and they're like serving detention, but unsupervised? Where's the teacher? There's the, maybe that's what it is. It's all a setup for, uh, they'll, they'll pull the camera back and we'll find out that Dean Douglas is in the room with them. So it won't be Sting and it won't be Chris Jericho and it, it won't be Vince, and it won't be Shane, it won't be Brodus Clay, it won't be Batista, or anyone else that people have uh, come up with. It, it's Dean Douglas. Maybe? Okay, probably not. Um, yeah, he's uh, referencing the... Last year at this time was so much worse when they started those uh, Undertaker Cabin videos. And now I think most people realize, okay, it's not Sting. I haven't really been getting any serious inquiries about Sting like I did last year, where it's like, no matter what you told people, you, know, you could... Just hit them right over the head with logic, and they're like, nope, it's Sting. It, it was stunning to me. So uh, uh, maybe someday for the Hall of Fame, maybe. Uh, on to Matt Fanatic from a state of home field advantage throughout the playoffs. He says, wait, I called that last week. And mediocre running backs with good knees. Wisconsin, you're a horrible human being. Uh, he says, uh, I won't even try to top Assassin's amazing intro from last week. It was a thing of beauty. Assassin uh, being from... The Kansas City area was able to rail on 
Matt Fanatic, the uh, Packers fan, Ryan Kester, the uh, Packers fan who lives in Kansas City, who then tried to turn around and say, well, at least my Chiefs beat the Packers when we didn't even know that he liked the Chiefs. We, we knew he liked the Packers, and still not sure how that works. And uh, and also Will Pruitt, who lives in California, yet is somehow also a Packer fan because there's no teams in California to choose from. Oh, wait. Uh, so, yeah, good for you, Fanatic. You, you, you took it like a man. You're not trying to uh, to, to fire back when it, it would be tough to top that one. But uh, the, the shot at Adrian Peterson, really, shame on you, man. Shame. I never wish for players to. Okay, maybe I did once for Favre. Once or twice for Brett Favre when he was with the Packers. and But uh, then when he became a Viking, no such wishes. It was a phenomenal run for Mr. Favre for at least one season here in Minnesota. Anyhow, uh, Fanatic says, so is R-Truth supposed to be a heel or a face? He was pretty ruthless to Miz. Uh, hard to cheer him. Uh, he said it was hard to cheer him all the time. All he time. I'm not sure what you're going for with that last part, but, yeah, it, it didn't connect with anyone based on the crowd's reaction to that. Uh, you know, it was, like, really physical. And I know it was when I did the live cast with Wade Keller on Tuesday, he liked it because it was so physical. And, and you know, I mean, I, I, it was cool. Um you know, they, they were uh, aggressive, to say the least. But, yeah, I didn't know what we were supposed to get from that either. I guess our truth back to, to get the Miz. But it's like they just thought that because Miz beat him up, suddenly we were all going to like our truth So I, I think he's a baby face. But, I, yeah, I, I, you got me. Also, how dumb does The Rock feel now that John Cena has capitalized on his slam by actually getting on the Fruity Pebbles box? Yes, there there are Fruity Pebbles boxes with John Cena. Uh, like a strip on top, I believe it is, with the John Cena on there. Um, I would imagine proud and maybe asking his assistant, Ryan, to figure out how he can get a cut of that. I, I don't know, but uh, I don't think Rock's going to be too disappointed by that one. Uh, also, Kurt Angle's cowboy hat has really grown up since we lost, last saw him wearing it on WWE television 10 years ago. Did he not know how bad that skit was for making his feud with uh, making his feud in James Storm's push into a total joke? Uh, someone in TNA clearly did not. Yeah, I I don't know what they were going for there. I think it was just to mock the whole cowboy thing. But I, I had I had flashbacks to the same silly Kurt Angle, you know, mini cowboy hat that you did. I, I didn't like that. And then you throw in, like, the hokiest bar fight scene ever. Ever. I mean, this thing made, like, Roadhouse look like an Oscar nominee. Well, actually, Roadhouse should have been an Oscar nominee. I don't care what anyone says. It's a damn fine piece of cinema there. Awesome. Awesome movie. Jeff Healy Band, even. you got to like Roadhouse. If you don't like Roadhouse, there's something wrong with you. All right, anyway, I don't know how I got off in this Roadhouse tangent, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, not good, I agree. Uh, will Dixie and or Surge have a match in TNA this year? I'm only for this if it rids TNA of sleazy, slimy, condescending Eric Bischoff. I don't know how Dixie or Surge Wrestling is going to rid TNA of sleazy, slimy, condescending Eric Bischoff. Um, I guess you're saying if there's, like, some stipulation at stake. Um, I, Dixie, I will say no. Surge, I will say maybe, just because they like incorporating Dixie into storylines, and I could see them actually taking that one step further. And Surge is going to stand up for his wife, and, yeah, I, I, I would lean toward, if I had to put money on it, I would say no, but I wouldn't bet a lot because this is TNA you're referring to. On to Fake Diesel, a.k.a. Jason from Appleton, Wisconsin, originally from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Appleton, that's a nice town. I uh, 
we actually uh, we stayed there when we went to a Packer game. Uh, I went with uh, Wade Keller to opening day. It was a Packer-Viking game years ago. Um, the Vikings actually won, believe it or not, at Lambeau. And uh, Wade had this brilliant idea that we were going to be able to get a hotel room somewhere in Green Bay the night before the Packers played the Vikings or somewhere close to Green Bay. He was convinced of it. He was convinced that, well, somebody's going to cancel even if they're all taken. We ended up in Appleton. It's kind of a haul, uh, but I uh, had a great time at the game. But Appleton, very cool city. I, I liked it. Uh, just you know, stood out as a, a nice place. So hopefully you dig it as much as I did for the little bit of time I was there. And if I recall, Appleton is also, well, first off, it's the home of AWA star slash uh, for, you know, pro wrestling trainer in Pratt Ryan's. Uh, but uh, Appleton, I, I believe that's where, I, I know it's where the Vikings stay, but I, it might even be where, like, any visiting team stays when they when they play at Lambeau. But I definitely know it's where the Vikings uh, end up staying when they are uh, when they play at Lambeau. So you can go harass them and moon them like other Packer fans do if you'd like to. Uh, but Diesel's first question, if you're wondering, what's with all these names? Uh, these are, like, the, the names that uh, people are using in the forum. So when you hear a name like Fake Diesel, no, Jason from Appleton, Wisconsin, doesn't go around, you know, through, doesn't go through life making people call him Fake Diesel. At least that I know of. Maybe, maybe he does. It'd be pretty cool if he did, actually. Uh, first question. He says, I just watched the Brett versus Sean DVD last night. Have you seen it? And if so, how awkward were some of those interview segments? They seemed like a bad Senate hearing or something. Now, I only saw the first half of the interview. I've been meaning for the longest time to get back to watching the rest of it. What I saw, I really enjoyed. I, I thought it was very well done. It was one of the best. DVD releases, I probably the best that I've seen from WWE in years, if not ever. I thought Jim Ross asked the right questions in the first half that I watched. And I also thought that uh, Brett and Sean answered them pretty candidly. And, and honestly, they were even getting tense at one point, as, uh, and, and rightfully so. Brett sitting there talking about how it bothered him that Shawn Michaels was, like, stripping in front of children and, and having children strip along with him. Something along those lines. I'm like, no, he didn't. And they showed, like, this shot of, like, Sean dancing and a kid, like, in the ring with him emulating it. But it was like, come on, calm down, Brett. You're, you're taking yourself a little too seriously. And Sean was a little defensive about that. Uh, so, what? no, what I saw, I, I enjoyed it. it. You know, was it tense where you could tell that, for one, you know, they didn't want to say the wrong thing to really offend the other at times? Sure. But I, I, I like that one a lot more than you apparently did, Fake Diesel. Uh, number two, speaking of documentaries, have you seen Memphis Heat? And if so, what did you think of it? Yes, I have. And, you know, the more I think about it, because I, there was a lot, early on it was like everyone was talking, this is a, a, the must-see DVD, it's phenomenal. And, and I was kind of like, yeah, it's good. I don't know where all this must-see stuff is coming from. But the more I think about it, it's like I've, I've been fortunate enough to see some Memphis wrestling on uh, videotape over the years. I'm guessing there's a lot of people that haven't had that luxury. And so if you didn't get to see some of that old Memphis footage, or if it's been years since maybe you grew up in the area and, and it's just been years since you've seen it, it's, I mean, it's very well done. And yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I recommend it. You know, it's, you know, if you're looking for high quality video, well, it's old Memphis wrestling footage. So you're not going to get it with that classic footage, but it's, it's well done. And, you know, there's like four hours of DVD extras, and I, I think I made my way through like at least an hour of them, and then just haven't gone back to watch the rest. But uh, I, I definitely recommend it to anybody out there who uh, 
has some interest in checking out the old Memphis territory. Uh, JB from the WB, he says TNA had some momentum going with the whole, with the Rude and Storm storyline, but doesn't it seem like they've simply fallen off the face of the earth the last few weeks? Is anything newsworthy going on in TNA that is stateside? No, no, there's really not. It doesn't seem like I, I'm with you. It, I, they've, they've, no one, I mean, I think one of the issues is that when you produce really bad television, people talk about you. When you produce really good television, people talk about you. When it's like some combination, there's nothing to get all that worked up over one way or another. It's just decent TV, or even if it's at times it's not, it's, it's, it's bad, but it's not so bad that people are losing their minds. It's like, okay, well, I just watched a two-hour show. Now I move on with my life. And I, I think that's what's happened with DNA to some, in, in, over the last month or so. Part of it might be the holidays, too, where they're not going all out, nor should they at this time of year. Um, you know, with, especially you look at their ratings lately. It's, you know, it's just, it's the holidays and people aren't always, uh, you know, going to be watching as much television as they normally would. So they, but they do need to do something. It, it worries me that here you've got WWE. Uh, advertising two title matches for SmackDown, and and the big mystery payoff for Raw, the Mystery Man angle, uh, a, a title match with Punk and Ziggler, Brodus Clay. They're advertising all these things for the January second Raw, and with the video, they've been leading up to it now for what five weeks. What is TNA teasing us with? Order the order the Genesis pay per view. Basically, you know, it's not like they're just teasing us with anything major coming for the new year, and I think that's a mistake. And, you know, and, and also, they had something with Rude and Storm there, but they're holding off on it. And I think that's the right move, but I think they need to find ways to keep it alive. I was watching that the show last night, and when Rude was, uh, you know, finally went after that buddy of his, Tracy, that was uh, talking about how much he's changed, it seemed odd to me that Jeff Hardy was the guy running out. I'm like, where's, where's James Storm? And it's like I know Hardy's the guy challenging Rude at the pay-per-view, but Storm shouldn't just be shouldn't have just moved on to Kurt Angle with no focus whatsoever on Rude. Now it's like it's I'm all for dragging it out, but you come up with a way where like Rude's avoiding him or something. Um, there's a reason for it. Like Storm wants desperately to get this because now it's like Storm seems content feuding with Angle. So if you're a Storm fan and he's content with that, are you? You know, why would you be so fired up about him getting his hands on Rude? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that has played part of it, too, with the, the lack of momentum is the decision to kind of hold off on that, even though I think it's it's a good one. It's just been executed kind of awkwardly thus far. So, and, you know, it's like I wrote last night doing that pay-per-view preview, just running down the six matches, I think it is, they have advertised. Like, I, I can't get excited about a TNA pay-per-view right now. The last three, and, and probably even going back more, but the last three, ugh. You know, Bound for Glory ended, was was okay at parts, but that, that finish that the main event had left a horrible taste in my mouth. And then all the crappy finishes we saw on uh, on Final Resolution. It just, it's like, what's, it, it, pay-per-views are not meant to be three-hour previews for impact. And that's what they've, what they've become. So even though this one looks good on paper, I'm still not going to sit here and get all excited about it because, I don't have any faith in TNA right now to deliver a strong show. And maybe they will, and if they do, I'll, I'll say it was a good show, but I'm not going to be all that, you know, all fired up for Against All Odds as uh, Phil Collins' uh, stretch continues with the Genesis and Against All Odds. I'm not going to get all fired up for that because, I'll, you know, I need to see this company 
deliver consistently good pay-per-views with real finishes and matches that matter before I can even get emotionally invested in this anymore. It's it's, it's unfortunate. But uh, second, says, I'm not quite sure how they would go about it, but don't you think that if WWE stressed the hometowns of its wrestlers, that maybe they could get better reactions from the fans when they go to that city? It doesn't have to be limited to punk in Chicago. Yeah, there's something to that. You know, I, I don't know exactly how you go about it either, but, um, yeah, I, you know, I, it, it wouldn't be the biggest, you know, it, it wouldn't be near the top of my list of, of things to uh, worry about if I was WWE officials, but it is something you would think that they could do a little more with instead of anytime someone goes to their hometown, they automatically have to lose. I, you know, that always baffles me, but, you know, I mean, Brett, and Bret Hart in Calgary and all of Canada, for instance, you know, they, they focus on it when it's like Great Collie in India. Um, it seems like the international guys, they make more of a fuss over it. So, yeah, why not North American talent? Why not make a bigger deal out of that, too? Uh, also, uh, let's see here, where were we? Would you would you have an estimate of what Michael Cole earns? No. Uh, he says, I assume he would have had to have earned a cut of the WrestleMania payday this year since he was in a match. Yeah, I would assume he got a little extra, you know, because of um, of that structure. Now, he's on a uh, – the announcer, the broadcasters have a different deal than the talent. They are technically employees of the company, but I would think that he would get a little um, bonus thrown in, too, for, for working that match, certainly. Um, if I had to guess, I would say 250, you know, probably less. You know, I, I would say 250 – is like the high end, two hundred fifty thousand a year for Cole. But I mean, I'm I'm completely taking a, a shot in the dark with that. It, it could be significantly less, but for some reason, that's a number that popped into my head, and I wanted to give you something. He, uh, four, he says, I will usually sign up for the torch when Wade Keller sends one of his discounts for eight issues for twelve bucks or something close to that. He said, the last time I was getting the torch, you were featured on page two. I noticed that you're not there anymore. Obviously, you and Wade are still close. So what happened? If you care to discuss this. No, JB. No, this is uh, this is a real uh, top secret stuff. I was uh, I'd rather not discuss it, but since I didn't recognize this question, I, I, I guess now I'm obligated to. I was actually uh, working as a secret Russian spy and had to leave. That now it. Uh, I was hoping to come up with a better joke for you there, but I got nothing, man. I'm I'm, I'm tired today. I got to wake up for for Brock tonight, the big Brock fight, but. Uh, Basically, it was just what it came down to was I, I didn't have the time. You know, it was uh, Wade's deadline was on Tuesdays for a long time, and then he moved it back to Mondays. And it's like it, it, it was a news-heavy feature that I was doing for him, and it's like it sounds easy. Like we'll just start gathering news from the week before. I didn't want the, I didn't want the column to be completely dated. You know, where it's like by the time people read it, there's always there's already the lag. You know, when you um, for for people who get it in the mail, you can obviously get it online too. But it, you know, for those people, I I just I didn't want it to be a re a recap of everything that had been online for the last week. Essentially, I wanted it to to have some fresh content in there, and it just became too it became difficult to do that because Monday can be such a chaotic day, and it, you know, so it just became a timing issue too, or I dedicate so much time to the site, and if I'm writing the majority of that article on Monday and, and making the phone calls and whatnot on Monday, it, it just became too much. And so I just thought, you know, I mean, the pay was great and everything, but it just was like I think I'd be better off 
repurposing my time, essentially, and dedicating it to .NET on Mondays. And so that was that. But, uh, yeah, I, sorry. I mean, I, I definitely it, – it was. I'm happy I was able to go back and do that. I mean, the torch is really where I got my start. Um, not really. I mean, totally is where I got my start in writing. And so it was like going home again, even though I was, uh, you know, doing pro wrestling.net, obviously it was still cool to go back and do that. And, you know, if, if, uh, if it wasn't a time factor, I, you know, I'd, I'd still gladly do it. If there were 25 hours in a day or, you know, what, if there were 27 hours on a month in a Monday, then I'd be able to do it. But, uh, no such luck, but, um, yeah, unfortunately, on the Dorian from California says, what do you think, uh, about Dolph Ziggler wearing a robe to the ring? You know what? I haven't put any thought into Dolph Ziggler wearing a robe to the ring, but I, you know, I guess my first reaction is that, eh, I, you know, it, maybe. But I, to me, it's like he strikes me as the athlete type. He, he's he's the athletic type, and I know you know Ric Flair's worn you know athletic guys worn robes. To me, it just I don't know for for some reason, um, it doesn't jump off the page at me as an idea. Maybe I'd have to you know see what he what type of robe and what he'd look like in and everything, but. I, I kind of like uh, what we get from Dolph currently. Two, is there any chance that Dude Love is coming back? Um, maybe like on an old school Raw if they go down that road again. I don't think they're investing that much time into coming up with ideas for Mick Foley. So I think, you know, if he did, it'd be kind of a one-off kind of uh, backstage joke or something like that. I don't know that we're going to see the, the full-time return of Dude Love anytime soon. Uh, three, would you like to see Goldust and Booker T back together as a tag team? A one-off fine. You know, I don't mind the idea that Goldust has been pimping on Twitter, which is you know himself versus his brother Cody at WrestleMania. Um, I think that could be fun. I was never all that crazy about Goldust and Booker as a, as a unit, and who are they going to feud with? Cody and throw someone else in, Drew McIntyre, you know, whoever. If there's you know, no, I'd, I'd rather not actually. <laughs> I think I'd. Um, Goldust and Cody works for me. Even Booker and Cody would if they treated it as uh, more of a le- you know a legend returning thing than just oh here's old Booker the commentator back and not putting much effort into it. Uh, four from Dorian from California. What effect do you think the network will have on Raw and SmackDown? I, you know I don't know that's going to have. If you're a viewer, I don't know that anything really changes. For I mean I think you're going to see the same product. Um, the effect that it could have is perhaps some people get their fill of, of wrestling throughout the week once they have the WWE Network. And if WWE is not in a great place creatively or whatever, uh, some people that, you know, for some people, they're not going to be ever going to be able to get enough wrestling. That's great. But the average person out there, uh, you know, how many people are going to get enjoy watching some, you know, some of the Attitude Era editions of Raw and, and, and things like that and then just get their fix and, and they don't feel as compelled to, to, to keep up on Raw or SmackDown every week. You know, I mean, maybe that could hurt the ratings. You never know. I think the idea will be that they're going to build these things up as, as uh, major events every week almost and try to, you know, entice people to watch those shows. And, and I, I would say that one thing WWE has to improve for that net with that network is because, you, you know, hopefully you're going to have so many eyes on it, I book in advance so that you can really promote things on your network. You know, don't just show up and do all these rewrites on Monday and just, you know, to tear the show apart and come up with all this. Be a little more committed. You change the way you do things so that 
you, you can have things like this week, for instance, where we know, hey, the Mystery Man video is paying off. We've got Dolph Ziggler challenging CM Punk. Brodus Clay supposedly is going to be there. And then you have the two SmackDown title matches. If the network were around this week, well, those are things you can promote all week long and talk about and overanalyze to death like, you know, like we see with the mainstream sports, with the uh, – uh, you know, and every NFL game, I overanalyze to death on the NFL network because, you know, they're, they're filling time and, and obviously it makes them feel like a bigger deal to those watching. So um, it, it, if they do it right, it, it could actually, you know, help. But I I just, I need to see WWE show some commitment creatively to, to uh, you know, a long-term booking. Kurt from Ohio says, uh, what is Hulk Hogan doing now? Is he just a PR guy for TNA? I'm okay with him being on the sideline. Uh, he was overexposed, and it is odd that he turned face and then disappeared. But um, it's that time of year, too, where ratings are going to be down. And, and generally, if you know Hogan's track record over the years, you know, going back to certainly WCW, is uh, well, if it's a time where they're not going to draw great ratings, let someone else take the blame. Why, why would he be around? So, I, you know, But I, I do think it, it's to Hogan's benefit, it's to TNA's benefit to limit his appearances so that the character means more. And it's not just a, here's Hulk Hogan again, you know, for the fourth time tonight. Two, do you think Trish Stratus will ever return to wrestling, even if it's for a short run? I, yeah, I don't think we've seen the last of her in the ring. I mean, she expressed some interest in working with Karma, I think it was. And, you know, we saw her... We, She's you know, done tough enough for the company and got back in the ring at WrestleMania last year. So I don't know that you're going to see, like, Chris uh, Trish doing, like, the house show loops or anything like that. But uh, at, at least a one-off, you know, maybe another WrestleMania match with Karma at some point. And uh, I, I think she's um, destined to end up in the Hall of Fame. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think you'll see more of her. But will she return as, like, a, a regular full-timer or even a, a part-timer? Uh, that, you know, works more than just those big events? Probably not. Three, are you willing to try YRG and review it for the site? No. Um, I mean, I hear good things about it, and, you know, more power to Dallas Page for this, but uh, the idea of waking up every morning, to, uh, yoga is supposed to, like, be calming. I, I've done some yoga for my back and everything. I've had it, you know, with uh, my back issues over the years. And it, it is relaxing. It's what it's supposed to be. It's, you know, you, you, you mellow out and you focus on that and, you know, just uh, let the mind go a little bit. I don't know that I could do that with Dallas Page yelling at me and uh, in his over-the-top manner and with his uh, really, 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 really white teeth uh, just staring me in the eye every morning. So I'm going to say no, even though, again, I hear good things. And, and if you haven't heard good things, just listen to a Dallas Page interview, and he will tell you all about YRG, even if the host asks him about anything other than YRG. Four, since Kane has returned, the announcers haven't made a big deal out of the mask. Are they just going to pretend that the mask was always there? It's a little thing, but sometimes it's the little things that bug me the most. Now, I know what you mean by that. I guess I haven't really paid too much, put too much uh, focus on that. It's To me, it's like, well, the mask is there. Are you saying they should be asking, like, you know, why is the mask back? And I can I see what you're saying there. Um, I'm just more concerned about him cutting promos and using that awkward delivery that he did on Monday. But uh, now that you mentioned it, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for it, Kurt. On to Gary from Baymanette, Alabama. He said, uh, you told me to ask this again because of time restraints. Oh, yes, yep, I absolutely did. Uh, time constraints, I should say. And he says, also... Uh, I did originally post this in the non-wrestling, as I figured it was more about your personal choices and not actually about the wrestling business. That's cool. Um, 
So the question was, uh, Vince McMahon calls you and says you have complete control of WWE until WrestleMania, and you have to increase ratings or the company will fold. What do you do? Um, hot shot and, uh, you know, giveaway rock versus Cena on free television. If, if all I'm worried about is the raw ratings, and I have to increase the raw ratings, and it's not, you know, but you have to worry about WrestleMania, well, then I'm going to hot shot away. Um, I'm not saying it would be the right thing to do, but if all if that's all my job is, is to focus on the TV side of things and, well, screw whoever's responsible for pay-per-view. Well, let the hot shot him again. Uh, realistically, though, I, you know, kind of what I was saying earlier, I sit down and lay out everything between now and WrestleMania, and, you know, that way you can promote different things if week in, week out. Um, I come up with more, I'm not saying you rip off the campaign for the January 2nd Mystery Man or anything, but you come up with more campaigns that, you know, keep people watching, keep people guessing, and you can do it with storylines. It doesn't have to be videos. Um, I, I do air, you know, I, I if it's about ratings and, and it really is a necessity, well, I think you're going to have to hot shot. Now, you don't go to Rock versus Cena lengths, obviously, but uh, I was being tongue-in-cheek about that one, but... Um, if you have to do some hot shotting, I think, you know, you're going to, or you, you really need to drive up ratings. Well, you know, you're going to have to give away something. So I, I'd be selective. I, I don't give away WrestleMania main events. I'm not giving away Undertaker versus Triple H or anything like that. But I would have, you know, I think you would have to give some of those things away. Also, um, I, I would really, I don't know how much this would benefit Raw. I think it would, though, is to make WrestleMania feel really, really special, which it should anyway, but I would, you know, I think it would help Raw and help the overall event if you built up Rock and Cena as the epic battle that it should be portrayed as with flashback videos, training videos, you know, discussions with the talent, the other wrestlers talking about who they expect to win and why and, and not just, you know, heel, you know, cliche heel promos, but really breaking it down make it feel like a major event. So not only does WrestleMania do well, but also, you know, you, you you plant the seed with viewers without coming right out and saying it that you don't want to miss, you know, you don't want to miss the buildup even. To, to, this is so special. You want to see everything about this, including the build to it. And, and I think that would keep people coming back. Um, bring in legends to talk about it also. And, I, you know, I would also, if we are worried about WrestleMania, not just TV, I, I would build a full WrestleMania card. You know, Rock and Cena sells the show. Triple H and Taker, if they go that route, is going to sell the show. Uh, it's Shaq and Big Show, obviously, if that happens, would, would sell the show. Everything else may not be as important to the buy rate, but I do think there's something to be said for laying out the whole WrestleMania card um, more than just throwing matches on at the last minute. I, I like it. When, you know, when I was a kid, it was like every WrestleMania match felt important because it was on WrestleMania, and they gave it to you. You know, they, they teased it for so long that you, you couldn't wait for that match. And even if it was an undercard match, you know, you might have been looking forward to Hulk Hogan and Andre uh, more than anything else, but something on that undercard uh, because of the way it was built up, could could really mean something to you. So uh, those are just a few ideas. But yeah, I mean, I think just based on the structure of the question, you'd have to do some hot shotting. But it's all about ratings, and uh, if you're in that much of a panic mode. Also, um, he says I would like to elaborate on a previous question on WWE limiting moves. I have no interest in seeing, as you said, 50 moonsaults a match 
But it seems that wrestlers don't vary their movesets anymore. Is this due to the shorter matches or, once again, trying to get their get their signature spots? I, I figure it, it, it's a combination of the two. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's... Um, I mean, it's it's been that way in WWE for a long time. I, I don't know if you can really go back to any recent era and point to guys that had all this wide variety of moves that they would break out from match to match. You know, if you, Gary, if you can come up with some examples, and you know, maybe, maybe I'm forgetting some people, but, I mean, that's kind of the, WWE has that style, and I think that's part of it is that they, you know, they, they want their guys to have moves that fans know, identifiable moves, and, and, um, you know, and, and so I, I think it's by design, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. Third from Gary says, should Dolph Ziggler hold seminars on selling moves? And then he writes, yes. Well, who am I to disagree with you, Gary? Yes. Uh, four, why must all Latinos be stereotypical gangbangers? Well, because all Latinos are gangbangers. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, I, it annoys me, too. I know. It, you know, Mexican-America is, is insulting. And then WWE with their version of, uh, well, I mean, they're not all Mexican, but Latino America, essentially, the knockoff, all dressing that way. It, it, yeah, I, I roll my eyes at it, too. I, I, You know, I mean, and then Alberto Del Rio, I guess, reminds me of, like, uh, uh, the politician that uh, the, the woman married uh, on weeds. Um, I, I wish I could remember his name off the top of my head. I, I can't, but... Uh, they, I mean, they're very similar, and, uh, I mean, I think the idea is kind of similar, too. So, yeah, there's some stereotyping that goes on. I mean, and I, I don't know the Sin Cara necessarily and Rey Mysterio, unless you just think that mask-wearing luchadors is uh, stereotypical. But, uh, you know, you said gangbangers. I mean, there there are some differences. But, yeah, I mean, I I always liked uh, like Tito Santana as a kid. who was uh, And, you know, he went on to become El Matador as WWE tried to, I don't know, wreck his – Wreck his career. I don't know what they were going for with that, but uh, no. I mean, you did. It, it. You would think that in that era, where going back to when Santino, Santino, when Tito was around, it was you know st- st- every it was nonstop stereotypes. It seemed like you know with with all the uh, the ethnic wrestlers, but in, in his case, it was just kind of this is Tito Santana, and, and he does his thing. You know, it wasn't he. Ha- you know, he just happens to be Hispanic. He could have been. Uh, could have been, you know, there was no gimmick really attached to it until that El Matador stuff came around. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, I guess uh, such is life in the wild world of wrestling. Speaking of which, we are now into the non-wrestling portion. So if your whole life is nothing but wrestling and you don't want to hear any non-wrestling nonsense, you're probably smart. But uh, you don't have to. Stop now because we're going to get into the non-wrestling questions. Thank you very much for listening. Have a very happy new year. But for those of you who like to hear some non-wrestling silliness mixed in with your wrestling talk, we're going to go back to Dave from Sydney who wants to know what Santa brought young Jason this year. I got the shaft, man. I got a lump of coal. Well, that's what I deserve. No, I, I did well, man. It was, uh, it was a great Christmas. I had a really nice time everywhere I went. Divorced family, so all over the place. And, uh, just had a really nice time visiting with, uh, you know, all sorts of family and, uh, and friends and everything else. And, uh, as far as gift wise, I, I got a, like a ton of Blu-rays this year. I mean, there were, there were some that I asked for, but I, there, you know, my girlfriend kept telling me to make a list. I'm like, just, you know what I like. Apparently in her mind, the only thing she's heard me talk about was Blu-rays because I got all sorts of them, but I can't complain. I mean, she, 
great Blu-rays, the ones I definitely wanted. I got uh, My Sons of Anarchy, Seasons 2 and 3. I already had one, and uh, I got some movies that I wanted and whatnot. So uh, it, those were, you know, those uh, primarily, and then some gift cards, which are always awesome. Unfortunately, my dad uh, got uh, got all of it, me and my sister's American Express gift cards, which are pretty much you can use in, like, four locations in the continental United States, I think. Um, and my stepmother gave him a hard time about it going, why didn't you get visas? He's like, they didn't sell them where I went. Um, yeah, dad, they did. Only my dad. Uh, now you know where I get it from. But no, I, a wonderful time, wonderful gifts. And, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else really jumped out, but it's primarily Blu-rays and I got a cool wild, uh, long sleeve t-shirt that I liked. And, um, but yeah, mostly Blu-rays and no complaints there because I, I am a movie junkie. Uh, two, have you ever been to Jason Powell Lane in Jacksonville, Florida? Only when I had to go down there for the, the, the naming ceremony. Um, I thought it was, you know, long overdue, that, uh, finally. I, I think every city in America should have a Jason Powell Lane. I have no idea who this is named after, but, uh, no, he, he showed it on a Google map. There really is a Jason Powell Lane. So somewhere, like maybe the mayor of Jacksonville is a huge .NET reader. I, I don't know. So uh, whoever this Jason Powell is, though, I'm, I'm taking full credit. Screw you. Uh, three, Super Bowl and Conference Championship game predictions. Well, first off, we need to revisit this next week uh, when, you know, the seedings are set, because that really does have a lot to do with it. Um, you know, I, for instance, I, I think if I think the Cowboys or Giants are good enough that they could make some noise in the playoffs, I, it just – you know, I mean, I want to see who they're playing. It wouldn't. They're those teams that it wouldn't shock me. Whichever one of them gets in, if they lose in week one or if they find a way to get to the NFC Championship and really make some noise. But as things stand right now, I think the obvious matchup that everyone is predicting is uh, Green Bay against the Saints. You know, the Saints, I think, could have some issues, though, going into San Fran with that defense. So I, I think San Fran is easier to beat through the air than they are on the ground. Where good luck. I mean, I don't think anyone scored a rushing touchdown against them this year. Um, so that bodes well for the Saints, I think. Uh, but you know, I, I, do, I do think Breeze can do enough through the air, do some damage that uh, they can get by San Fran. I'd love to see a Lions and Niners rematch, though, where you know the coaches can throw down UFC style or something at, at some point in the playoffs. I don't know if it'll happen, but I, I would go Packers and Saints right now. Uh, and then on the other side, I, I, I guess I'd lean Patriots and, and Steelers. To me, the, the, the AFC is wide open. I, I, the, I mean, the Patriots are the Patriots, and, and people still look at them as, like, the dominant team of the AFC. And in some ways, they are. But I think they're beatable. I, I, their secondary is awful. And, you know, if you, if you catch Tom Brady on an off day, I, I think they can be taken. Uh, but – it's like the Steelers and Ravens are, you know, the Steelers generally beat them in the playoffs, but are the Ravens better this year? Can the Ravens finally get by the Steelers? And by the way, that's my dog, one of the two, making her .NET audio debut. So I'm going to hit pause and find out what the hell's going on back there. And then uh, Super Bowl-wise, I guess I'd go with uh, probably Saints and Patriots. I'm going to say it now. I do think uh, the, the Saints could beat the Packers. I think it'd be a hell of a game. Uh, you know, it, so much of it I think is going to be weather-wise. It, it could actually work to the Saints' favor if it's ridiculously cold and windy. Because I think they're, not that they have a, a you know, they're known for their running game by any means, but I, I do think they might be able to move the ball better on the ground than Green Bay could. You know, it, it's, uh, that's the matchup I'm looking forward to. 
much like I was looking forward to Saints and Vikings back in, uh, in a couple years ago. And this time, I'd actually be able to cheer the Saints. But, I mean, it won't shock me at all if Green Bay goes on to win this thing. I mean, they've been the class in the league all year, but that is shaping up to be a hell of a game. So, uh, and then, uh, I guess Super Bowl-wise, if the Saints can make it that far, I think they can take it. I, I think either if, if the Patriots can make it to the Super Bowl and they're playing either the Saints or the Packers, the Patriots are in real trouble with that with the secondary they have this year. Uh, four, with the talk last week on muzzles and tying up girlfriends, did we get a look into the mind and life of one Jason Powell? You get a look into the mind and life of me every Friday if you're a .NET member. Uh, yeah, we, we did have some muzzle talk regarding my girlfriend last week, and um, it was about how I would never, ever want my girlfriend to have a muzzle on. Remember, this is on the all-access side. And uh, I, I would never dream of such a thing. And uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful person. I, I love her dearly. And uh, her family is awesome, too. Good enough. Uh, Chris from Sacramento wants to know if I'm proud of Jared Allen for making the Pro Bowl. I don't know about how proud I I mean, I, I think it's a, it, he's he's earned it. I mean, he's played his tail off this year. Um, uh, you know, it, it, he, I think right now he's probably getting a little more credit than he should. Like last week I was watching and, you know, they're talking about, or I think maybe it was two weeks ago, uh, when they were getting blown out. And, oh, look at Jared Allen out there. He's still trying. And all he was doing was the same move on every play, running to the outside of the tackle. The tackle would, like, shove him once, and he'd end up running around the quarterback and couldn't get to him. And I'm like, really? That's We're going to give him credit for that? But, I mean, he's been awesome this year. And I think it would be phenomenal if he could find a way to, to, to actually not just get the team sack record, but somehow break that fraudulent uh, – Michael Strahan record that uh, Brett Favre gave him. I don't know if it's going to, I don't think that'll happen. And there go the dogs again, just in time for audio. Uh, Matt Fanatic, I don't even know if you guys can hear that in the background, but uh, yeah, one of them is uh, barking at the other. Matt Fanatic says, I know you hate Kyle Orton and the neck beard, but since he's not rocking the beard, how do you want to see the Chiefs put a, uh, how bad do you want to see the Chiefs put a giant blowout beat down on the Denver Tebos? I don't hate Kyle Orton. It, I really don't. It's the neckbeard is annoying. He has like the worst hair in all professional sports too. That Linus hair of his, whatever the hell that stringy, I guess you call that hair, whatever it is on top of his head. And then yeah, the the neckbeard is awkward. I, I he got a raw deal in Denver. I, I thought he was the best quarterback they had. Now I know the Broncos have gone on to be pretty damn successful with Tebow and all, but I I just wonder if Orton's confidence doesn't get rattled if he. Uh, puts up some decent numbers in Denver like he did last year. I think Kyle Orton has come a long way. He was essentially, in a weird way, Tebow before there was Tebow because the Bears' defense was so dominant. When Rex Grossman got hurt in the year the Bears went to the Super Bowl uh, and, and lost to Indy, Orton stepped in for part of that season when Grossman was hurt and really did nothing, but the Bears kept winning. They had some... Like I want to say it was like seven and one. They had some ridiculous record when Orton played. It probably wasn't seven and one, but whatever it was, it was like he kept winning. And pe and there was talk that, well, geez, you know, maybe Orton should be the quarterback over Grossman. He wasn't ready for it, but he's come a long way since then. And uh, I, I don't think he's a bad quarterback at all. So, I, you know, I don't know what to hope for there. There's I, I grew up a huge fan of John Elway. I'm not a fan of Tim Tebow. I'm not even a fan of Brady Quinn. The Bronco quarterbacks have like killed my interest in in Denver. Um, yeah, I, I, I God, for Elway's sake, maybe they should lose. Not, and, and I know it's going to make him look bad for cutting Orton, but at least maybe the the, the fall of Tebow could 
lead to this, the Denver fans eventually, not because of one game, but eventually maybe realizing that he isn't very good and their defense is responsible for so much of this winning streak. Um, but the Raiders then I think would get into the playoffs and I don't want to, I don't know. I don't have all out hatred for the Raiders, but, uh, I don't know that anyone wins in this. I, I guess it would be funny to watch Kyle Orton go back, though, and, and get the better of Denver, even though it would make my guy Elway look bad. Uh, also, if you were writing something as important as a book, wouldn't you save your writings in more than one place? Ooh, that's a little shot at Chris Shore, who, uh, boy, that one uh, might, might be a little too soon if Shore's listening to this. I, I feel bad for him. Um, I would like to say yes, but I had to get a new laptop, and I don't think I've backed it up once yet, so... I, I I can't criticize too much, but uh, generally, yes, the idea would be yes, you, you you back those things up. Sorry, Chris, if it's too soon. Also, uh, what did your pre-used dogs, what did you buy your pre-used dogs for Christmas? Do they have their own stockings? Uh, Ada had one last year. This year, the dogs did not have stockings. Uh, Ada's birthday is right before Christmas, so we didn't really, we, we got the dogs some stuff. I mean, they, they get stuff all the time. These dogs have more stuff than I do. As I've said, Ada has a, uh, they're little Boston Terriers for those who aren't familiar with my dogs. And Ada has a Vikings jersey and a Wild jersey. We got the, uh, the latest pre-used dog, uh, <laughs> they're little rescue dogs. We got her within the last month. So she's gotten some stuff, but there wasn't like an all out, like, here's your Christmas gift kind of thing going on. I, well, I think, I think their mom, I think, uh, my girlfriend, their mom did, but, uh, um, I think there was, like, one gift. But otherwise, they, they get stuff all the time. These dogs have more clothes than I do. Also, uh, how was your Christmas in Wisconsin? Give me your best Wisconsin story from last weekend. I'm sure I'll be able to relate. You know, I, this is the one year where I didn't have any, like, all-out strange Wisconsin moments. But I, it, it, I was reminded, never be late on Christmas or Christmas Eve. Because even if you're like, actually, just leave your house. If you have to, like, go an hour away, give yourself 90 minutes. Because Christmas and Christmas Eve, you can just see it in the cars in front of you. If it's one lane and it's 55 miles an hour speed limit, there will be a car going 40. Most cars will go 40 because they'll put on the Christmas music and drive ridiculously slow and get all sentimental and think about when they were children or God knows what they're thinking about but you cannot get by these people. They, they will do 40 miles, and you go to pass them, and it never works out. There's a car coming the other way, and you are screwed. That happened to me going to my dad's. We were running late, and he asked specifically, try to be there a little before 5. So I'm like doing, I, I, I found out the car does, you know, 90 easily, and it uh, doesn't even feel like you're doing 90 once I finally got away from some of these people and hit the open road on the highway. Uh, but my God, it... Just that you pass them eventually, and you look at them, and it's like you don't exist. Nothing exists. I, I'm surprised they don't run into the ditch, because they just have this glazed-over Christmas look in their eye, dreaming of Christmas past or whatever the hell. It's like, get the F out of my way, you ass. <sighs> but uh, anyhow, so yeah, I, I don't have a great Wisconsin story for you this year, but uh, um, nobody got hammered. Plus, I... You know, my dad, it was like, uh, over that side of the family, it's like we do dinner, and then we open gifts, and I've got young nieces and nephews, and so they keep it fun, you know, just watching their reaction and all that good stuff to, to getting their gifts is great. And uh, but then my other, uh, my, my brother's dad, my stepfather, we went over there, or I did, and um, I didn't stay too long because I had other places to be. So maybe that was it. It was just kind of in and out kind of deal. Maybe I missed out on some drunken Wisconsin Christmas uh 
uh, debauchery that I, somehow, some way. But I, I haven't heard of anything. But yeah, nothing this year. This was a, a pre, you know, other than all the driving, a pretty relaxing Christmas. Speaking of Wisconsin, we go back to fake diesel, Jason from Appleton, and he says, uh, I see someone else asked you about the Green Bay Packers Invitational or the NFL playoffs, so I'll ca- I'll kick it up a notch. With the season about half over, who takes the Stanley Cup? Well, the Boston Bruins, of course. Come on. They won it last year and they're my 118 right behind, right next to the Wild. All right, the Wild are my favorite team. The Bruins are right there. For those who don't know the story, it's no, I'm not a bandwagon jumper like Will Pruitt. And, uh, oh, who else is on the bandwagon jumping list? Uh, Ryan Kester and uh, apparently you because you're from Winnipeg and now that you're in Wisconsin, you're going to claim you've always loved the Packers, you fraud, fake diesel. Um, actually, I don't even know. I, I don't even know if he likes the Packers. But uh, the North Stars left town. I needed a team to cheer. It wasn't going to be the Red Wings or the Blackhawks, bitter North Star rivals. And uh, so it became the Bruins. And I've uh, been supporting them ever since and was downright giddy when they won the Stanley Cup. But it'll be nothing compared to when the Wild finally do it. Had you asked me about two weeks ago, I would have said, hey, maybe the Wild, the way they've been playing lately, not the Wild. Maybe if they get everybody healthy and make a big trade at the deadline or something. Uh, Jawbreaker says, in regards to last week's Q&A, why would I wish you a Merry Christmas if you recorded the audio after December 25th? Yet you took umbrage to that fact last week. So with that being said, Happy New Year, if you record this before January 1st. Well, you can't say, I wish, I hope you had a Merry Christmas, or if I, if I were to record this after New Year, you still, that would erase, like, New Year wishes for the entire year? You're a horrible person, Jawbreaker. Damn. Two, if you could look into your crystal ball. Oh, and I have one. I have Two of them. Uh, who among the .NET staff will probably be the Marty Jannetty of the team in five years? Uh, I would wholeheartedly say me. Um, yeah, I, I don't. You know, as far as like the the, the the rest of the crew go, I'm gonna go Shore. Uh, Shore strikes me. He's got Marty Jannetty written all over him because he can't even like save his own book in a, in a backup location. Love you, Shore. Three. I know that you are a busy man. But have you ever taken the time to play Angry Birds? It's a pretty addictive game. Uh, no, but that's because I hear it's addictive. And so anytime I hear about things like that where, you know, major, oh, it's the greatest thing ever, you'll waste so much time, like, I better stay away from that because I do have an addictive personality. Uh, four, when is, the la- uh, when is the latest a person or family should take down the Christmas tree? I usually spend January 1st watching football and taking it down and packing everything else for Christmas away. For me... The day before the Royal Rumble, and that's because uh, with the setup that we have in our living room, if I leave the tree up and we get a full house for the Royal Rumble, there's going to be some obstructed view seating. And uh, so I, I have to have it down before the Royal Rumble. We we put ours up like a week and a half maybe before Christmas this year, and, and I'm keeping it up for a while. I, I it, now, if you're somebody that puts yours up like Thanksgiving weekend, first of all, get a life. Um, I, it's too soon. I, I I I stand by that. It's just too soon. I mean, more power to do live your life the way you want, but Thanksgiving weekends, like just enjoy Thanksgiving. We don't need Christmas on Thanksgiving, but everybody does it their way, I guess. And so, even though you know, I don't put it up that early, but if you like put yours up then or somewhere early in December, I can see where you want that bitch out of your house now. But uh, for me, it's like it's it's still kind of fresh and new, even though there's no presents or anything under the tree, and I'm still waiting for one of the dogs to jump up and bring the whole tree down on top of them or something. 
But, uh, yeah, I would say the Saturday of Royal Rumble weekend or even, like, Sunday afternoon as you watch the NFL playoff games because, uh, well, there are not any NFL playoff games. It's the weekend between the championship and the Super Bowl, isn't it? So uh, just sometime, that you know, before the Royal Rumble, essentially, at my house. Back to Dorian. He wants to know how many hours of TV I watch per week. My God. Well, okay, if you take wrestling out of it, then it's not as bad with the, with the wrestling, uh, you know, all the wrestling I have to watch. Um, and sports, you know, Sunday's like a, Sunday's like the day because it's, uh, even if there's no wrestling pay-per-view, I'm watching like all, you know, NFL from 10 a.m. on. And, uh, and then I'm also taping like, well, God, it was ridiculous. There was Dexter, there was Homeland, there was, uh, uh, Boardwalk Empire, Walking Dead. And uh, what's the other one that I like on Sundays now after Walking Dead? Uh, Hell on Wheels. And then all the uh, the animated stuff on Fox. Now, I don't watch them all on Sunday, obviously. I do most of my TV. I don't watch TV during the day. Very, very rarely will I turn on the television while I work. You know, if there's like a big sports story or a big news story or something, I might turn it on. But otherwise, it's uh, I'll listen to the radio or something like that while I work. I don't watch TV during the day. But when I do most of my TV viewing outside of wrestling... And, and just live sports is, uh, like about 10.30 on. I'll uh, have the DVR loaded up and I'll watch stuff then. So, but God, I don't even, I've never actually sat down and figured it out. I tell you what, Dorian, uh, the, um, I will keep, now this is a bad, this isn't even a fair time because all the shows just ended. I'll, I'll try to figure it out though. I, it, it's probably way more than I want to admit. Uh, also, were you ever a two live crew fan? Not really. I mean, you know, like, we all got horny with the two live crew back in the day. Me so horny. Me love you a long time. Um, but no, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't like go buy their CDs or anything like that. I, if, if it was like rap from that era, I guess a little before would be NWA. Uh, not a big rap fan, but I definitely liked NWA back, way back when. Uh, Kurt from Ohio says, I'm thinking of getting a Blu-ray player. Is there really that much of a difference between DVD and Blu-ray? Yes. Yes, there is. If you have an HDTV, yes, there's a significant difference. Um, now, if you like, like I just went, I, I got Christmas vacation on Blu-ray for Christmas. Not really much of a difference, to be honest with you. But if it's like a newer thing, especially animated, you're really going to see it. Uh, even though the movie sucked like Cars 2, I mean, it's just unbelievable how good some of the animated stuff looks in Blu-ray or an Avatar or something like that. So, yes, there, there definitely is. And, um, you know, they're, they're pretty affordable now. They, you know, I, I, we just uh, we got one for the bedroom recently for, I think it was a little under 100 bucks, And it's, you know, it was on sale, but it's pretty good, you know, Samsung. And I uh, had some, uh, got good good reviews. So, you know, they're, they're affordable compared to what they used to be. I still say get the PlayStation 3. You know, if you need an excuse to buy a PlayStation 3, well, it's got the Blu-ray player built in, honey. That'll work. Two, what are your New Year's plans? Uh, I'll be hungover in the morning, recovering from the party at Hater Dave's for UFC. And uh, then I'm actually getting together. My girlfriend and I are going out with my siblings for a nice uh, dinner at a local steakhouse, my personal favorite, and I'm looking forward to that. And then after that, you know, normally we'll uh, have a party or something we're going to, or we'll host. We've done that the last couple of years. We ended up hosting my girlfriend's family. This year we said, screw them. We don't like them very much. Oh, wait, this is free. So we love them, but this year we decided that uh, it'd be better off just kind of, let's go out with uh, my side of the family, and then we're getting together, like, early, like, late afternoon. 
And I just knowing that side of the family, I don't see that sitting down there and closing the uh, steakhouse slash bar. So uh, we'll probably go home from there, chill out with the dogs, maybe pop in a movie and watch a little bit of Dick Clark, baby. Yep. I'm officially old. Uh, also, uh, do you have a favorite movie of 2011? I, you know, I don't, but I'm kind of looking back. I feel bad because somebody said that Dragon Ta- the girl's Dragon Tattoo is the best movie of the year, and I said, well, I wouldn't go that far. And then I kind of looked up what movies came out in 2011. It's, uh, it's definitely on the list. I came up with Moneyball, no particular order here. And, and some of them you're going to be like, you know, if you are into, like, the King's Speech and, you know, the Oscar types, you're not going to like my list. Uh, Moneyball, X-Men First Class, loved it. Uh, Cedar Rapids, if you haven't seen it, highly underrated. And for that matter, if you like Cedar Rapids and you never saw Cyrus, then go check out Cyrus. But Cedar Rapids was great. It was the most fun I had at the theater all year. Going to that uh, Uptown Theater was the theater, which is normally, I, I just consider a pretentious area. But uh, fun group of people to watch. Everybody went there looking to have a good time. And uh, that was my favorite movie-going experience of the year. Uh, also, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I really did like it. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. And Lincoln Lawyer was also good. I'm, I'm probably forgetting a couple, but uh, those are just some of my favorites uh, from, from 2011, which, uh, again, was, was not a wonderful year. But I haven't seen, I have not seen, um, oh, what's, uh, well, I guess the only thing I've seen in theaters that just came out for the holidays was uh, the, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I still want to see... Uh, Sherlock Holmes 2, although I still think the first one was decent, but kind of overrated. And uh, whatever the other big big blockbuster is, it's in, um, oh, Mission Impossible 4 I'd like to see. So, uh, And then final question of the day for this marathon 90-minute session. I don't know if it'll be that long, but uh, we're, we're, we're approaching that, I think. Uh, comes from Chris from Columbus, Ohio, who wants to know, this is the TV section, I will warn you. He wants to know my thoughts on the Dexter and Homeland finales. Nice. Finally, an excuse to talk about two of my favorite shows. All right, so if you don't watch Dexter and you don't watch Homeland, as I always tell the members, you should. So consider this your spoiler warning. Don't listen to me. Just stop what you're doing. Have a great new year. Go on with your lives and go watch these two series, Dexter from the beginning and Homeland, you can't get it on DVD yet, but I'm sure they'll be replaying it on Showtime. But Homeland was awesome this year. Great new show. If you haven't checked it out, I definitely recommend it. All right, you've been warned. We're into the spoiler war- into spoiler time now. Dexter, um, the season as a whole was a disappointment to me. The finale itself, um, it, I mean, it was it was what it was. You expected Dexter to. You know, somehow they saved the day and get rid of uh, the Doomsday Killer and all that, and he did. But then the last 30 seconds or whatever it was with Deb walking in on Dexter doing the deed, phenomenal. Phenomenal. This is what we've been waiting for. There's two seasons left, and now his sister finally knows that her brother is a psychopath. Well, does she know that he's an all-out serial killer, or does she just think that maybe he snapped and took this guy out himself, or is she going to put the pieces together? Uh, great tease for next season, game-changing moment, loved it. So, I mean, the best season of Dexter by far is still the season with John Lithgow as uh, as a killer. He, freaking phenomenal, awesome. The guy was, like, made to be a serial killer. And the, like, psycho preacher and Footloose. Uh, but uh, Homeland, I, I think I enjoyed the overall series much more than the finale. Uh, the finale, like, I didn't want to see Brody die. 
I, I wanted Brody to be around, but I also didn't want him to cop out and not, like, kill people. And so you couldn't have both. And he didn't, like, take out the vice president and all those people. He just uh, backed down because of his daughter. And then, uh, you know, so he's still active, and that's good. It just didn't make for that awesome finale moment. There wasn't that jaw-dropping moment in the finale, basically. And, uh, but, you know, I can't even think of her name right now, but uh, uh, the main woman on the show, now that she's in the psych ward or whatever, having the the shock therapy done, eh, whatever. Can't say that one did a lot for me. I guess, you know, the mystery now is how much does she remember and all that for next year. And So, uh, but, you know, I mean, awesome first season. I really can't uh, speak highly enough about uh, how good Homeland is. If you haven't checked out that show, uh, find it on Showtime, on demand. I'm sure it's still on there somewhere. I have DirecTV, so no such luck. I still don't have DirecTV on demand because I refuse to pay those sons of bitches more money. Um, where if I had, like, cable, I'd get it for free. Like, DirecTV's money gouging bitches. So is Comcast. It's just DirecTV has the NFL ticket and Comcast doesn't. So that's why I have DirecTV. But if I had Comcast, I'd still be bitching about them like I used to. But Anyway, go out of your way to find Homeland either on On Demand, uh, on Showtime itself, or wait for the DVDs. It's as good as people say it is. Definitely recommend it. Dexter, there have been better seasons. There have probably been worse seasons even, but um, I wasn't blown away, but we got that game-changing moment at the end, so that's very cool, and uh, looking forward to that. And Boardwalk Empire, people watch that show. Still, still shocked and disappointed. I won't, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't, promise any spoilers on Boardwalk, so I won't spoil anything, but I'm still devastated over the uh, the, the final uh, images of, uh, or final scenes in, in Boardwalk Empire this year. Why? Why? The answer is actually in the forum, according to uh, one of the members. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that if you want to go read our Boardwalk Empire uh, spoiler uh, section, and you're wondering what that, why did they do it? We have a, a, one of the members thinks he has the answer, and there might be something to that, because, uh, I, I still, other than that, I can't imagine why. God, awesome. it's such a good freaking character. Anyway, that is going to do it for today. The marathon session is over. My end of free audio week here on ProWrestling.net has come to an end. But uh, in case you've missed it, of course, you can check out Will Pruitt's TNA Audio Review, which is definitely on the site already. And uh, you can also check out uh, the .NET Weekly Audio Show that Chris Shore and I recorded on Thursday. The .NET Countdown Show with Jake Barnett and Will Pruitt from Thursday as well. Chris Shore's audio experience, or whatever the hell he's calling that thing, is also up. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to think of what else we got. Uh, oh, and coming up uh, tomorrow, you're going to get Chris Shore and uh, Jake Barnett doing the WWE SmackDown audio review. Check out our free apps available on iPhone and Android and whatever the hell the other one that I always forget is. And uh, you should know it by now. It, for, something for Kindle Fire through Amazon or something like that, I always forget. But it, it's there, damn it, and they're free. And uh, check out Ryan Kester's live coverage of UFC 141. Brock Lesnar versus Alistair Overeem. It should be newsworthy no matter what the hell happens. And uh, maybe we'll even get a Brock tantrum. Who knows? But uh, I'm, I'm off. Time to shower and shave and head on over to Hater Dave's to watch UFC 141. Have a great weekend, everybody. Please. Be smart, be safe, go out and have a great time for New Year's. Just don't wake up New Year's morning in the Hooskow. You don't want that. So be smart or worse yet in the morgue. Be smart and be safe. Have a great New Year, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting ProWrestling.net, whether you're on the member side or on the free side of things. 
It's greatly appreciated no matter how you do it. Just visiting the site, obviously, is helping us. So uh, thank you very much. Happy New Year. Take care.